The album is just perfectly executed. You have to admire the songwriting, admire the lyricism. It's hard for me to say any other album. We're here now, we're doing this. I'm your host, Jack Bender. Welcome to Bar for Bar. today guys welcome back to bar for bar it is episode four as always i'm your host jack bender thank you guys so much for all the love and support on the first three episodes as always you guys have been fantastic and checking those out and whatnot uh, so because of that, we're actually going to make a slight schedule change. There will now be two, yes, two episodes of Bar for Bar every week. You'll see one on Tuesday, every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. and every Friday at 9 o'clock p.m., both in Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I did say on a lot of my social Saturday by accident, so I apologize for that. That's on, that's my bad on that part, but I just really am I really am excited to get back into this and do two a week. Uh, you guys are loving them, and I obviously love it because this is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. I love talking hip-hop. And I always will. But now, with no further ado, let's get started, guys. So once again, we've reached that time of year where hip-hop fans get to vote on a XXL freshman nominee and to the 10th spot on this year's list. Uh, the, the voting did close recently, but we have not been announced any of the 10 freshmen. XXL, I do have to point this out, though. XXL has always been so good at marketing their annual freshman list in a way that kind of like makes it a national headline, makes it... You know, really important and significant in the uh, in the eyes of hip hop fans and in the hip hop community. Uh, they even like all the nominees get like a chance to give their pitch on the XXL YouTube channel, explaining why they think they should get the spot. You know, kind of giving what or telling what sets them apart, so on and so forth. Uh, and obviously, they're put into cipher groups, which is obviously the most um, the most prominent part of all this is the XXL ciphers. Uh, and they also do their all, all their own individual freestyles. And just to give you guys some insight as to how popular these things are, the 2016 Double XL, um, it, it was a, it was a group with it was 21 Savage, Lozy Vert, Lil Yachty, Kodak Black, and Denzel Curry. I, I don't know. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, right? No, I'm not. So, uh, but basically they were put into that group 2016 Double XL freshman class. They all did their cipher. That cipher has, I think, over 150 million views on YouTube now. That's insane. The people kill for that content, and it's entertaining and and also just really insightful. Uh, Lots of the other content is into you know their their artistry and their mindset. But anyway, um, and and of course, all this content in addition to the manner in which they portray it has really contributed to the, to this being a big deal again in the eyes of the hip hop community. And so today, I just want to take some time to kind of sit back and tell you guys not who I think will be it, because that's a totally different conversation, but my if I had to pick the 10 artists that I think are most deserving of uh, the 10 spots on the XXL freshman list 2020. So let's get started with that uh, being said. My first pick is Lil TJ. He's a vocally driven hip-hop artist from the Bronx, and though I was not particularly impressed with his debut project, Tude Myself, TJ really does have a super unique, silky smooth singing voice, and I think it goes. I think it's underappreciated for going well with a really decent variety of instrumentals. You know, he's done much more you know somber, uh, laid back piano driven tracks like Sex Sounds, uh, all the way to featuring on Polo G's hit single uh, Pop Out, where you know it's it's much more trap banger based, and you know, uh, you, you he can do it. He can do it all. He's very versatile, and I think that versatility is going to take him a long way. Like I said, he has had 
impressive features such as you know Polish pop out French Montana slide he was on the hook of that uh, pop smokes war rest in peace uh, that's just among others that's just among many others and I think he's got a lot of versatility uh, for doing a lot of different types of instrument uh, working with a lot of different types of artists a lot of different instrumentals and in hip hop um, if Lil TJ is able to utilize his voice however and his talents in a wider variety of ways for just 10 like 12 15 tracks 10 15 tracks then an LP from him has the potential to be really, really enjoyable and very memorable, I think. Um, you know, again, True to Myself was not his most impressive work and and didn't really do justice to the talent I know he has because it was so underwhelming. I did enjoy several tracks off of it, such as FN, Brothers, The Brothers Remix, uh, One Take is pretty good. I, I enjoyed several, Sex Sounds, several of, their, of them off there were uh, very enjoyable to me, very pleasing, but uh, again, I just really want to see him you know, sit down, grind out a 10 to 15 tra track LP. That was, um, what was it? Yeah, it was 17 tracks, I believe. True to myself was 17 tracks. And I think, honestly, I, I think he should go for a shorter one. I'm thinking 10 to 12, just because, you know, it, it's going to drag on otherwise. And I think if you keep the shorter and sweeter you keep it, I think the better chance you have of just uh, hitting home with a, a big un LP if I'm little TJ. Uh, but my second rapper today is going to be Sada Baby. <laughs> you guys may or may not have heard of him, but Sada Baby is a Detroit rapper, and honestly, he's one of the lesser-known artists in Detroit's hip-hop scene, but also one of the most talented. He, you know, he doesn't get talked about as much as his fellow natives, like, you know, the, the Big Shans, the T Grizzlies, the Danny Browns, the Eminem's, the Worth of Five Dimes, you know, it, it goes on. The list goes on. But in his music, Sada really matches his energy. I feel a lot of his contemporary natives are already praised for Danny Brown, like you, you listen to his delivery, he is so it's it's chaotic at times, especially if you listen to something like, you know, you know what I'm saying, his most recent album. I think that's a I think it's a great example of that. But, you know, Sada has really, really just energetic, charismatic delivery and and uh, vocal performances, uh, when he when he's spitting on there. And I think that is actually gonna that should definitely elevate well, it might not set him apart in the Detroit hip hop scene because we have so much of that, but he has his own unique style. Uh, to it, he has a very raspy, unique voice, and and regardless, I think he could definitely like emulate the success of his contemporaries, especially in the city of Detroit. He definitely has that potential. Uh, he's beginning to break through to the mainstream, especially with collaborations like Next Up with T Grizzly. Uh, he's done the track with King Von. That's um, you know, the name of it. It's slipping me. Uh, but he did. I will say he unaffiliated himself several months ago with T Grizzly's group of friends and frequent collaborators. Uh, usually just called Grizzly Gang, as far as I know. Uh, and so he, because he wanted to start beginning establishing his own individual, like, unique brand. And obviously it's all ta it's all in taste, but I gotta say, Sada Baby, since then, has made some really, really good singles. I think that's some of his, I think since leaving, this is some of his better music. And I have to, I, again, I have to say, like, I, I'm really impressed. I'm really, really ex excited for his future. And that is, uh, that's why I think he should be one of the spots. And speaking of King Von collaborations, number three is King Von. Yes, the breakout Chicago trap artist, uh, King Von. He turned heads in, I think it was 2018, he released his breakout single, Crazy Story. The single really just showcased Von exercising a slick, dynamic storytelling ability, which became a cornerstone for a lot of his music to follow that. It's still... It, even like aside from the remix of Crazy Story One and then Crazy Story Two and Three, you know, or oh, she's great. We're gonna get like five shot of flows and then five crazy stories. Comment which one you guys will think would come first. But anyway, um, 
Crazy Story is a he's a really talented storytelling artist, which I think, especially in the Chicago scene, is kind of lackluster at times. So I think it's a really cool spark, especially to the local scene that I think is you know t being taken very good, not only by Chicago hip hop fans but by uh, other hip hop fans in other cities. You know, I I've been put onto him by people from Cleveland that. You know, they have no relation to Chicago, but they, they heard him coming up in the underground, uh, even, pri even prior to him hitting mainstream anyway. Uh, he's also become good friends in the past with Lil Durk, who's now one of his most, if not his most frequent collaborator. And he's, and as a matter of fact, Lil Durk's on a Crazy Story remix and also appears on uh, uh, both of his first two projects, especially uh, once, or, I think twice on the last one, which was uh, King uh, uh, LeVon James. Uh, but they did. what's funny is they actually have a court order to not be in the presence of one another. Lil Durk and King Von got in some trouble back back in the day, and I guess they cannot physically see each other in person. It's funny because I was watching a, a interview on No Jumper, uh, shout out Adam Twenty Two, but you know King Von was on there and he was talking. About, he's like, yeah, the only time I can see my best friend is you know in court, and it sucks because they actually they have really good chemistry on tracks. I think they, they go well very together, especially although Lil Durk is a bit more vocally based. They they mesh very well together. Uh, but then again, uh, Vaughn is signed to Durk's record label, only the Family Entertainment. So I, I even despite the distance, I can see, I can definitely see the collaborations keeping up, even if it is long distance. You know, just sending in recordings, sending in beats. There's there's very little, and also they're just best friends. So like I don't doubt that, you know, somehow they'll still keep making music. Uh, but Vaughn has a clever way of delivering bars uh, that many have heard before, but not in his vigorous, like, attention-grabbing manner. He has such dynamic delivery that really just, like, commands the attention, uh, and I've said this before, of the, um, of the over-the-instrumental of the audience. And the only thing I will say, my only critique of Vaughn is his beat selection is very hit or miss. Um, even Crazy Story itself... Like, the beat is not that impressive. What really compensates for is, is Vaughn's flow over it and immersive storytelling ability. And I think if he experimented with more uh, instrumentals that maybe might be a bit outside his comfort zone to begin with, he has an increased chance of mainstream success to me. It just makes sense. So, uh, but he, although he has already hit, you know, the trap mainstream scene, and I, I, I really am excited for what's to come from him because we just got this project. Uh, I enjoyed several tracks off of it, and yeah, we'll see all, We'll see when the next one is. Uh, but number four on this list is DDG from Pontiac, Michigan, the YouTuber turned rapper, and honestly, one of the only good YouTuber turned rappers, might add. Okay, sorry, excuse me. I must have a cough or something, coronavirus. <laughs> but a very versatile talent with a good ear for music is my thoughts on him. You know, I think he's actually very... I think he can do a lot over a variety of instrumentals and styles. Uh, he can do slower tempo songs with a lot more, like, uh, I guess I should say substance to them, such as arguments, as well as, you know, faster-paced bangers, like Run It Up, uh, it had, which had, like, YBN Amir, uh, G Herbo, among others, um, on that track. But he really has the potential to break even further into the mainstream, if you ask me, if he just finds his sound. He's so indecisive on, on what kind of, you know, appeal he wants to shoot for i think it, it would do him a lot of good to tr pick one and stick with it i mean obviously you can step outside your com your uh, comfort zone occasionally but you know it, it, within reason of course you know i've seen some some tracks where you're trying to do something instrumentally or artistically or sonically that i just don't get and it has 
no like good sound to me. It has no appeal in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I I really do think he has the potential to break through farther into the mainstream, like I said. But he really just has to kind of find his lane. He needs to find a sound, like a lot of other artists. I could say that about. Uh, speaking of finding sound, one of the only artists I think who has already found his sound is number five, sixteen-year-old artist from Cleveland, YSN Flow. Flow began making noise in the underground scene with his breakout hit single "Want Beef," which is actually still his most streamed and most uh, watched music video to date. On the tenth of this month, he actually released his debut mixtape "Flow Season," which included features from other guys who were nominated for Double XL. Uh, freshman Justin Rari and again Lil TJ. Flow he has a very melodically based style delivery, and it gives him a lot of uh, it, it, it gives him a lot of you know credibility, a lot of potential to break through in the mainstream and also in the street scene. You know he has like lyrics in certain songs where you know I could I could imagine someone in the trap bumping this, whereas you know there's something someone else you know. And, and their whip could be riding around just bumping it. You know, he has the potential to kind of go through both tunnels there and, and break out. And I think that's something really unique about him. Uh, and again, I think he's only, I think he might be the only artist on his list who just really knows his appeal and his sound. He knows that his melodically based style delivery is, it's, it's, his, it's his lane. It's very much what he thrives in. It's very much where his music is good. Uh, obviously, I, I don't know, I don't even know, because we haven't heard it, him trying to switch up, you know, to something just straight bars quicker, but um, I don't know, well, I guess time will tell, because obviously he's only 16, he has a lot of potential to be something great, be someone really truly in the midst of the mainstream, but uh, that's all I got from now. Number six on this list, though, <whistles> Guap Dad 4000. Guap Dad 4000, if you guys haven't heard of him, is an Oakland singer-rapper. He's actually... Pretty heavily associated with Dreamville, J. Cole's record label. Uh, and that's mainly because he's in Zoint Game, which is, I guess, a hip-hop group that uh, I haven't heard much of. But it includes him, J.I.D., probably know that name, Smino, might know that name, and Buddy, who's also a Dreamville signee. Uh, he was actually featured on um, a, a track, a few tracks on Dreamville's Revenge of the Dreamers 3 collaborative efforts. And which I all by the way, he did he did um I know he did the hook to Costa Rica and as among other tracks he was on Wells Fargo a few others, uh, but he's very he did very good on that project. Uh, his voice is really reminiscent of Tory Lanez, which is funny because you know his he has a track name with uh, Tory called Stuck with It, so it it sounds somewhat similar. But you know they both have that smooth high pitched uh, voice you'd imagine hearing of like a DJ Mustard party anthem. Something along those lines. Uh, but I see Guap Dad as being a little more lyrically talented than his contemporaries. And I guess you could, and even maybe Tory Lanez uh, with similar styles. Um, and I think he's a bit more versatile, at least as versatile as many of you know the rappers that you know are similar stylistically to him. So I think he he's definitely a standout from the bunch, and I really am excited for uh, what he's got in store. Number seven on the list. You guys have probably heard this name before. Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow is from Louisville. He's 22 years old, and he is most known for his Billboard hit "What's Poppin'." What's poppin'? Brand new, we're just hopping. You know that one. Released. It was released as the first single, actually, off his seven-track EP album. I don't even know what it is. It was it's supposed to be an EP, but his label is an LP for some reason. Uh, Sweet action. Uh, he actually collaborates very frequently with Jets and Made It. Uh, uh, he's actually who's also like the go-to producer for the baby, also a Double XL freshman from last year. 
Uh, he's a very talented rapper with huge potential for long stream or long stream long term mainstream success. And I think he has a lot of mainstream appeal stylistically as well. And his beat selection, I think his beat selection is fantastic. And I think because him and Jetson made it, I know collaborate very often in, for, in person. I've seen a lot of you know videos or, or photos of them in the studio together. So creatively, the chemistry is there, and I think uh, he they know exactly how to work with each other best, which is fantastic. I will always always preach for that organic sound you get working with someone in studio in person as opposed to sending over a verse or sending over a beat. I will always take that. Not only is there like somewhat of a mixing like quality difference, but also I mean you, you just need you need to put your heads together and do this creatively over something not a phone. You know, it, it's I will always preach for that. Obviously the coronavirus is making it very hard. I know a lot of rappers are not doing anything in person with other artists. Uh, but regardless, I will always take that any day of the week. Uh, and he's a very unique talent. Like I said, uh, he takes a very non-traditional approach to track production. I think he is, I think, uh, and it's not because he's white, trust me. It's because uh, his style, his delivery is very laid back, but also just kind of dynamic and bombastic in his delivery. I know, big man being word right there. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what Jack Harlow has in the future because this is very much him just scratching the surface. I've seen, I've, lo I've listened to a lot of his older projects. You know, he has talent. And I've been following him for a while. He's been busting his ass. And I, honestly, I'm really happy to see his mainstream success kind of finally come to light. Uh, but, and, but, and also, what's popping, I got to mention, uh, was his first Billboard hit. I think it, did, it cracked at peak. I think it cracked 48 at peak. Correct me on that if I'm wrong, but... Uh, what's poppin was a huge hit especially on tiktok I mean, you know you got that was a huge tiktok hit so again kind of playing along what i said you know he has a lot of mainstream appeal a lot of commercial appeal and i'm really excited for what he has next uh number eight on this list you guys this is my, of all the artists on this list this is the one i feel like most people haven't heard of tyler yahweh he's a singer rapper again from orlando he's known primarily by most who do know him for his minor hit high right now which actually, I, fittingly enough, has a remix featuring Wiz Khalifa. Uh, he he mixes soothing R&B inspired instrumentals with very you know smooth mellow vocals. Uh, he does sound like he's, he's putting a lot of effort into it, but it's like very very low key again, very mellow. Uh, I, I really like his vocal delivery and kind of uh, in partnership with the instrumental. Um, he has a voice I, I kind of like to say is he has the voice worthy of a love ballad, the lyrics of a druggie. Kind of like, I, I, I do have to say, although they are not at all, don't get this twisted, they are not at all stylistically or talent-wise, you know, similar in that regard. But Yahweh lyrically is kind of reminds you of The weekend. You know, you can, you're delivering a very dark, drug-filled, party-filled lyrics, but in such, like, a silky smooth way. It's something I can listen to and when I'm in my tender mood, but also turn up to at the club. I don't know, man. It's super unique, and I really fuck with it. I really fuck with Tyler Yahweh. If you guys haven't checked him out, I would absolutely recommend him. Uh, he has several projects out already, as far as I know. But number nine on this list, we're reaching the end, guys. Houston rapper and singer Don Tolliver. You guys probably know him best because he is signed to Travis Scott's Cactus Jack record label, which is under Atlantic Records, as you may know, as... You know, Travis Scott and Don Tolliver are both from Houston, Texas. 
Uh, Tolliver first, uh, first attracted attention and, you know, turned a lot of heads with his standout feature on Travis Scott's Can't Say track off of 2018 release that we lots of people know and love, Astroworld. Uh, Don Tolliver has really, really impressive vocal range. He has really unique delivery in contrast to other autocrooners and actually already has a first project that was actually pretty good, in my opinion, under his belt, Heaven or Hell, which uh, I think was released maybe a little over under a month ago, give or take a few days. Uh, but, you know, I really see this, the potential for him to hit the mainstream even harder than he has now because, obviously, he has that super heavy label support as well as Travis Scott's co-sign, Unpredictably Bright Potential, and the first studio LP already on his resume. Don Tolliver is an easy pick for this one, dude. He is going to be a stud. He's going to be around his game for a while. He's one of my favorites on this list of all the ten. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's to come from him. Probably won't get a new project for a while because, it, again, it just came out a month ago, roughly. But, yeah, I'm really excited. And, finally, at the number ten spot on this list, we have, on the rise, Chicago trap artist Polo G. He's best known for his Billboard hit Pop Out featuring Lil TJ, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, it peaked at number 11, number 11, almost cracked the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, Polo hit the mainstream a while ago with his breakout single, Finer Things, which was a very, you know, low-key, you know, ballad-sounding song. Uh, almost like he's talking to the audience in, like, a way that, like, I can relate to you on the struggles of growing up in an impoverished neighborhood with not a lot to you, you know, a lot of, not a lot in your possession, uh, again, Finer Things was not the uh, it was the eighth track on his debut studio album, Die a Legend, which came out the same year under Columbia Records. Die a Legend, by the way, I gotta say it was a really impressive mixtape or a really impressive uh, studio album. I really enjoyed several tracks on there. There was Pop Out, Through the Storm, uh, several others that I was really chosen one that I was really a fan of that are still playlisted to this day. Polo G and his music, from what I've seen. And from just listening to all his music and digesting it, he aims to connect with the streets uh, a lot. You know, he has very heartfelt yet street-appealing lyrics. And much of his music not only deals with his own pain and struggles, but is also cleverly worded at times to kind of just feel equally as applicable as a listener. I can be a white privileged kid, you know, with the uh, like I am, <laughs> honestly. But um, you, I can be that, and you know, not have any understanding of what the street life is like. But I feel like a personal connection. In his music, for some reason. You know, I feel like I am being dragged into this life in a way. You know, I, I get like a very vivid picture of what's going on and what he's going through, what he's feeling. And he does a very good job at that. That's really good artistic ability, really good artistic illustration in his music. Uh, for example, like I said earlier, the, the hook to finer things, you know, conveys a perspective in which Paul is talking directly to the listener. He has several other songs I could say the same thing about. Um, he is not, I will say, despite what people say, he's not the most talented melodically in my opinion, but his style, his, uh, very unique, you know, style of, of lyricism and, uh, songwriting in general is going to be a really fundamental tool in helping him, you know, kind of develop a really cult following in the years to come. I can definitely see that being the case. Polo G has that personality, has that music type that I think can, um, really bring in kind of a cult following and, uh. Uh, years to come, especially not even just in the Chicago neighborhoods, but you know, just nationally. Uh, but yeah, those are, as mentioned, my 10 picks for the double XL freshman class. Again, to be clear, not my predictions, not my predictions, but who, if I could pick, would be in there. 
And to wrap it up today, guys, I wanted to give a talk about Drake's newest single, Tusi Slide. It came out about a week and a half ago. It's a very, you know, R&B, uh, dancehall-esque track. Uh, and it's inspired off Tusi, who's an Atlanta dancer, social media personality. And it's inspired off Tusi's dance routine that he's already invented for it. Uh, as far as my thoughts on the track itself goes, it's such a forced attempt at creating a viral TikTok song. The track was honestly mid. I gotta say, it was a mid track at best. Drake couldn't sound more low effort if he tried. His vocal delivery is as uninteresting as I've ever heard from him, and the production is just as underwhelming as could be. It's very... It feels like the it's missing something. But to get to what I want to talk about, particularly with this track, um, it's honestly, from first glance, a very safe bet and a very clever business move. Drake recorded a single that has a dance affiliated with the song's hook. What, what does that mean, do you think? TikTok is going to eat that song up, which would in turn increase streams and promote much more viral popularity for the track, which I, I, I'm i not even going to mention Drake because I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Drake doesn't already have that and have a dedicated fan base that is going to listen to him coughing into a microphone if he wished. Uh, but that track is just, it, it's created for TikTok. The entire track was created so that TikTok could eat that baby up, dude. And it was a fairly, again, it's a fairly simple and straightforward recipe just to make a hit to increase streaming numbers. Um, and obviously, Drake being one of the biggest rappers on the planet, um, his status alone is going to be, is, is kind of expected to push the single to do crazy numbers already. Uh, but to explain what the actual results of Drake's apparent attempt to sell out. Uh, I referenced some statistics from a complex article covering this topic in a somewhat similar fashion. Um, so, oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. Uh, but Drake, Drake's attempts, it didn't even produce anywhere near the expected results. Um, as of April 7th, Tuesday Slide hasn't even cracked TikTok's trending page. Nor has it even hit 100,000 videos. It has now, but at that point, which was, I think, five days upon the, um, the track releasing... That's, obviously, for any other song, for any other artist, that's huge. That's really good. That's crazy numbers. But for Drake, I definitely wouldn't say so, man. Um, I've got a lot of videos, but um, just for reference here, for reference, that is one-seventh of the amount of videos that were generated by a Lil' Keed song, Snake. Snake by Lil' Keed has seven times the amount of videos based off that. Now, if you ask me, this definitely flopped for one big reason, which is what I'm here to talk about today. A lack of content variety allowed by the single itself. Let me kind of expand on that a bit. Um, the dance Drake is instructing in the hook of the song is very set in stone in terms of procedure. As much as it already sounds like I'm overanalyzing it very much at the very beginning of this kind of explanation, think of it this way. TikTok users are very well known for utilizing trends in an original and creative manner. In other words, they add their own spin to it so it grabs the attention of users on the app. Uh, you're scrolling through a feed, your feed where you have it filtered down just to 2C slide videos. If every video is the same goddamn dance as the last, maybe just different people different place, maybe done better than others, but there's no way everyone's going to go through 15 straight videos of people doing just the same shit unless you're just psychotic or are incredibly bored in quarantine and even then that's like that's 
You got better things to do. You got better things to do. Uh, but it just gets repetitive. It gets monotonous very, very quickly. Um, this track is, by default, quite literally a once you've seen one, you've seen them all type of trend on TikTok. Basically, what I'm saying in summary is that I don't know what you guys, but you will never catch me sitting on TikTok for half an hour watching a series of videos that essentially showcases the same dance in each one. It gets repetitive. It gets monotonous. It's just, it, there's no, this is not something that was thought out all the way through. And if I'm Drake right now, I'm mad. I'm upset. No pun in reference intended. At the, but I'm upset at myself for not seeing things all the way through and not having a more, you know, complete, thorough understanding of TikTok's appeal and algorithm. You know, this is how it's been since the app, you know, really just hit popularity. And like, no excuse for poor mixing, like I said earlier, man. You got an entire promotional marketing team behind you. How did no one see this through? How did no one really just kind of like point this out as like, wait, but X, Y, and Z are in place. You know, it just, it, 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 I mean, it's not my problem. It's Drake's problem. Even then, it's probably not his problem. That dude has money coming out the wazoo, so I don't think he's too worried about it. But anyway, that is going to be it for today's episode, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And once again, for all the love, support, positive uh, feedback lately, all the constructive criticism, any of that is all appreciated. Next episode will be out this Tuesday, April 14th at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I will let you know if there's any updates to that. That's tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. We got a great episode tomorrow as well. Thank you once again. I will see you Tuesday. Once again, this has been Jack Bender, host of Bar for Bar. Peace out, guys.